I clicked leave meeting, but it wouldn't let me leave. Yeah, no, Rogers is too slow for you. <laughs> uh, which notebook do I have? Do I have the right one? I don't. Fuck it. Uh, Vic, what's good? How you doing? Um, you know, maintaining. Got a vaccine. Nice. Uh, just, uh, I don't want to say recovering from that, but, you know, I, I hit the floor. Really? And I got to pass right out uh, after in the waiting area. So that did some damage, surprisingly. <laughs> so unexpected damage, yeah. I don't feel the, 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 the needle point or anything. I do feel where I scraped my shoulder and, like, bruised my thigh or something by sliding off the waiting chair. <laughs> God damn. Uh, I, you know, and I, and I went into it like, like, we're not doing this today. We're not going to do this today, right? We're not going to pass out after this one. <laughs> and it was, I, bar- I barely felt it. It felt less than the last vaccine, whichever that one. You know, your Hep C, your HPV, your uh... syphilis. Yeah, syphilis. Uh, yeah, those one, hurt, those ones hurt more. After that one, I passed out in an elevator. Dropped. I can only imagine like the doors opening on the first floor, and I'm like slumped in the corner. That's probably how they found me. Uh, that really fucked my neck up. This one uh, was, was yeah smooth by comparison. No, so, that's my story. <laughs> no, no family of four opening it to you, jonesing out in the corner of an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> no, just but it wasn't. It's just the drop was in plain sight and everyone. So I could tell you if I if someone passed out while I was in line, I'd be even more apprehensive than right. I am with these needles. But and I, yeah, I was like, I kept saying sorry, but I wasn't really conveying that I wasn't sorry for. The doctors having to take care of me or like do their job it was just that like this was not a scene anybody had to see <laughs> that's what i meant because they were like what what do you mean it's not your fault man it's not your fault i know but nobody had to see that uh i forgot my notes so i'm gonna go get them gene tell your stories <laughs> yeah not not a whole hell of a lot <laughs> so the this uh the passing out this is just like of the needle itself uh yeah you know and it like it used to happen with blood tests and shit and now it's like i guess my body just scrunches up without my permission every time there's a needle in the vicinity and then like that's what they told me then as soon as like it unclenches all the blood goes whoosh and i crumple crazy i was feeling fine and then no weird good thing they make you wait yeah 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 yeah, so I'm going to put this as it is right now, this sort of like warm up right before the interview when I, that we did with Banks when we tweeted him. And if his fans jump on, they're going to hear this for like 15 minutes, <laughs> chomping at the bit for him to talk. It'll be very frustrated. I'm going to go feel it. So much Twitter hate. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gene, Gene and I are actually going to a show in uh, in December. Vic, have you started looking at concerts yet, or are you still uh, holding out? No way, man. I don't believe any of that's happening until I see it. I want hard proof. I want someone to hand me a ticket for free. Then I'll believe it. What show is that? Uh, we're going to Preoccupations in December. They're playing the Garrison. Oh, wow. That's 
highly unbelievable and i'm really excited for him <laughs> that's crazy i i can't yeah i can't believe it i'm i guess i'm involved in a show i'm supposed to be playing in a show oh yeah in november but not, i have no details on that that's yeah it's wild to think that that might be a thing happening but we'll we'll uh I like to temper my expectations for that what are you gonna play before i'm gonna play um drums no Everything but drums. What am I gonna guitar, bass, synth as the song required? This is for my buddy and his partner's uh, duo. They're called Not a Band. Uh, their project is called Not an EP. They're very insistent on this. <laughs> yeah, they're so they're. This is something they recorded last year over quarantine, and now they're filling it out for a, a live set. So whatever the singer doesn't want to play while singing. I'll be doing and yeah it was like playing rock bands like playing like you're in a rock band with these songs it's it's so much fun just just bashing it out nice i'll plug them it's, it's good shit three bangers new wavy uh trippy monotone but also kind of wavy yeah rippers all three of them and yeah that's what's in the works I'm in the band. Nice. Oh, also shout out my homie Aaron Corbett. Their new single just dropped. It's called Angel Liver. And as usual, man, this, their music just it's it's a ride every time. There's gonna be a music video also. Uh, that's what I just do. I just plug my friends' music on here. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, my like... friends' exploits. Oh, if Aaron if Aaron ever wants to come on, uh, they're more than welcome. Yeah, this so Angel Liver not. Don't have any more details other than that, but it slaps. And another friend goes by Dame Cook. Dame with an M? With an M, yes. Yeah. Not the world-renowned comedian of a similar name. No, this is better. This is Dame Cook and her partner, Hollis, put together a visual stream for Dame's new album called Nature Interrupted. And this premiered as part of the Multilocation Festival co-presented by Fawn, Chamber, Creative. I'm getting all these names wrong, but it's part of the CMC, Canadian Music Center uh, Fest, that bridges like classical composition with modern production techniques and visions. Yeah, that was dope. That's on YouTube. You can look it up at any point. It's like about 20 minutes, and it's the visuals set to this like glitchy, um, kind of like squelchy music are all from from stock footage of 60s and 70s uh, advertisements, I think. I think it's all ads. But you know the vibes, just like the trippiest, uh, already dystopian-seeming ads from that time. And then the, the concept of the album is about a disconnect with nature and then just trying to get back to it in an urban environment. And the whole description's also up there. In the artist's own words, they could do a much better job than me describing this. But yeah, highly recommend. So there's actually a lot of shit dropping from everybody. A lot of people I know. Drops! All right, that's your segment for today. Perfect, I'm out. Gene, do you want to give a rundown for uh, Vic, how the thing went? It, it might have been the, the greatest beginning to a podcast about music. Um <laughs> Basically, just that he had, he had no, uh, you know, really no interest in discussing the music whatsoever. It was the funniest thing. It, it was perfect, though. You yeah. Know? And then it just kind of uh, evolved or evolved depending on how you look at it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was like a, 
major display of hubris for me to like invite somebody who spends none of their time in interviews or writing talking about music especially when like all the other episodes have been somebody's emotional reaction to it what uh, kind of music did y'all talk about talking about music at all oh so even better yeah like i'm saying it's it's you know music is bad for you when it comes down to it we just spend too much time on it yeah it's the worst art form like it's below theater and poetry i believe aristotle said the very same yeah aristotle fuck music the musicians are the scum of the earth so uh we don't ever do an introduction for guests. We just have like show notes. Um, but yeah, uh, we usually start with, uh, I sent you the link to the track the other day. Were you able to take a look? Did it work? Uh, it worked. <coughs> it was a, um, you know, it was pretty substantial length. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of, um, I kind of gave it an auditory skim. Did, uh, what was your response there? Do you have any thoughts on it coming through? Uh, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome that's all right uh yeah so let's just get into it i reached out to you because the piece that we focused in this song was written uh not long after the toronto van attacks and in yeah. the news there was uh i mean there was there's a lot of interest in this sort of general psychosis around incels as a sort mm. of thing to be discussed and disgusted by um and peterson came up a lot during that period um and I, as somebody who has written a lot on peterson i thought it might be interesting to have you on and you know very briefly discuss uh yeah, yeah. i'm down cool um so like just in the last you know few years that you've written about the idw and uh most recently critiques on the left um coming out of your your book from that um where do you think they stand in in terms of relevancy like in your show you mentioned uh peterson was still on the amazon book list which he still is as is uh the collected edition of percy jackson and a billion other self-help books. Do you think there's something special about him in, in this regard, why he's so high? Or like everyone has a copy of Harry Potter, so I understand why that's not on there. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned the IDW, right? So that's like the rhetorical framing that comes from uh, Eric Weinstein, I think originally is, is who invented that. Uh, and and then Barry Weiss really popularized it in 2017, I think. There uh, was maybe 2018, I think 2017, there was a um, New York Times article by Barry Weiss called Meet the Renegades of the Intellectual Dark Web. Uh, and they're, they're all kind of, so all of these people, uh, the people I think of as the kind of core IDW figures, Jordan Peterson, uh, Ben Shapiro, Sam Harris, and then also some people who are like loosely associated with them because like, you know, they had podcasts that go on or whatnot, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, were all in this article, like posed around some plants in this way that looked like kind of, um, like a sort of very pretentious version of like a indie rock, like, uh, album cover or something. Uh, and that, uh, like, you know, so they all participated in this collective branding exercise back in, uh, in 2017. 
the intellectual dark web, which, you know, the metaphor there, I mean, it's a variation of the kind of thing that people like this do all the time, right? Like, um, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos, you know, when he was speaking in college campuses, that, that was the Dangerous Ideas Tour. Uh, and I'm pretty sure one of them had a triggered tour. If, if not, you know, one of them will, you know, at, at, at some point, right? Like if, if none of them have used that, that, that word, you know, that like phrase yet. Uh, and, uh, and this was another variation on the same idea. You know, the dark web is the stuff that's uh, like the literal dark web is stuff that's, uh, you know, I don't know, like the Silk Road or whatever, you know, that like a few years ago, you know, you'd use to buy drugs online, you know, stuff that's, uh, you, that doesn't show up in Google searches because it's so like forbidden and illegal. Uh, and it's the intellectual dark web. These are the really dangerous, edgy ideas, you know, that, uh, that you know, that the, the establishment, you know, the people that the, uh, that, that uh, I think Brett Weinstein calls the distributed idea suppression complex uh, cannot allow, you know, allow this stuff to, uh, to stand. Um, all of which is a little goofy in some obvious ways. Like, you know, they, they are, um, you know, Nathan Robinson had an article about them a few years ago called uh, for being so silent. These guys are awfully loud. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever, maybe, you know, not worth dwelling on, but, um, uh, but, I think that as of even like last year, when when my late friend Michael Brooks uh, had his book about them against the web uh, that that came out in like I don't know remember late spring uh, of uh, of last year feels like talking about something that happened in like the Carter administration or something, but I guess that was like a little over a year ago. Um, then it was. Uh, I, even even then, right? I mean, some of the conversations we we're having about it then, he said, "Look, this this particular um, branding exercise is maybe starting to like sunset a little bit, right? Like, uh, which which is definitely the case that uh, some of those figures have had falling outs with each other, as will inevitably happen over time, and and just the whole IDW branding is is probably become a little bit of a thing of the past. But um, the individual figures." are still wildly popular. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, like they might, some of them, you know, have waxed or waned a little bit from where they were, but like, uh, but I mean, like sometimes like on the left, you know, people be like, oh, why are you talking about, you know, such and such? Isn't it kind of yesterday's news? Then like you, you look up, you know, the Amazon charts or you look up that, that like Twitter account that just lists off the 10 most shared stories from Facebook for the last, you know, 24 hours. And it's like, Oh no, these guys are all like a hundred thousand times more popular than anybody who we like. Uh, you know, so, um, so Shapiro was certainly in that category. Harris is certainly in that category. And yeah, Jordan Peterson is for sure in that category. Um, and you know, yeah, he's got his new book, uh, beyond order 12 more rules for life. Uh, which puts the overall number of rules up to uh, 24 for anybody who's counting. Uh, and um, there's a lot of rules to keep track of. Uh, they had but, like a Quora post or something and that was like a like close to 100 or several more before actually writing the book. Isn't that the case? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that those were like the 12 best or something. But yeah, he, <sighs> he has no problem generating the uh, like rules and, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know the, uh, the 12 new ones off the top of my head. I can't keep, you know, 24 Jordan Peterson rules straight in my head at any given time. 
but uh but i remember out of the 12 original ones you know i think there are like 10 of them that are fine you know they're like good solid you know uh it, it's nothing that you won't find a hundred other self-help books in some form or another right but i mean like it's all good advice you know you you should you know you should keep your back straight you know you should clean your room uh like like all yes right uh and the uh the ones um you know the exceptions uh the exceptions by the way are um uh, don't let your children do anything that'll make you hate them or something like that, right? Which is just like probably a little unrealistic and authoritarian. Uh, and um, and then the big one where he's letting his politics slip into his self-help group persona is uh, don't try to change the larger world until you've put your house in perfect order, which is like insane advice. Um, I met a single uh, organizer who has like a clean apartment. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, and you know, I mean, I thought that Zizek uh, had exactly the right uh, response to this in his uh, in in their debate, you know, from a couple of years ago, which was like, okay, but like, what if what if the problems with the world outside are part of why your house is not in you know perfect order, uh, as is very frequently going to be the case, right? That you're stressed out and you know whatever you know be, because of larger social conditions. I think Zizek asked him, you know, like, like, would you, would, would you tell this to a North Korean, you know, like, don't try to change, you know, the circumstances around you, you know, until you've uh, solved all of your personal problems. <laughs> uh, like, that's obviously ridiculous. Um, and then the third one that I, I think is a little dubious, although it's also the most charming one, is if you meet a, a cat in the street pedit, which is like, you know, which, 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 like I said, like, you know, I think a lot of people, even who don't like Peterson, find that one charming, and I kind of get it, although I also think if you have pet cats, it's probably a good way to bring home some diseases. Yeah, I'm definitely allergic to cats, so if I did that, I'd fucking die. I, it's got 11 rules and a way to kill me. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, 23. <laughs> right, 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 right. 23 rules and a way to kill you, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I also think that, like, partly part of the reason for Peterson's popularity is that he's, like, hitting a couple of... of of really popular niches at once and in a way where the, the, the different rules roles kind of reinforce each other, right? Because on the one hand, uh, he's a self-help guru uh, and um, and he's got at least the sort of academic authority of, of being a psychologist, you know, real psychologist around him. Um, and, um, and on the other hand, uh, he's a culture warrior and he's found ways to, to do both in ways that uh, that sort of reinforce each other and, and kind of combine to feel to many, even though there are people who go to him because they have self-help advice who end up leaving because of the politics, there are people who go to him for the self-help advice uh, and, and stay for the politics. Uh, there are people who um, come to him for the politics and stay for the help, self-help advice, but to many people, it, it can all seem to be like one big thing because it's it's like, okay, um, you don't like crazy blue-haired college kids, you know, who are like yelling at you about pronouns or whatever. And, uh, uh, and also you have a sense that your life is not great. Uh, and, um, and, you know, you can't hold together a relationship or, you know, whatever, you know, you've got a crappy job. Uh, and and he has explanations of of all of these things and explanations that seem to um, that seem to fit together, you know that uh, you know that because because it's all I mean there's a sort of deeply conservative core of it, 
which is um, which is that you have to take responsibility for your own life and 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 stop blaming you know anyone or anything else, um, and then uh, and then you can once you have done that you know you're you're exercising self authorship you know that's a phrase that he likes and you can ask questions about how that you know self authorship fits with his his views on the pronouns and all that, but you know, whatever, uh, that, uh, that they, you can then start to have a happier and, and more and more integrated and, you know, more successful life. There's one thing I was curious about with like, not just with Peterson overall. And, uh, uh, I think, I think Harris kind of picks up on this a little bit because Harris goes into the meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like, like I, I had friends who attended Peterson uh, speaking events when he was growing, when he was getting bigger, like folks I worked with and shit. Um, and, you know, friends who, who subscribed for free to Harris's meditation app, because you can apparently just email him, he'll send you a code or some shit. Um, and I attended like a Nick Cave Q&A. Like that was one of the odd, like the odd things to me recently was. Wait, Nick Cave? Nick Cave. Yeah, yeah, the rock star. All right. Yeah, like Nick Cave is somebody who I appreciate as a musician significantly. Very influential, like in, in that sort of stereotypical dudeish way. It's like he made me feel okay to be weird. But uh, you know, after his son died, there was um, after a period of uh, of silence of not talking, he announced uh, a series of Q and As in which fans would then express grief towards him, and they'd share in this communal sense of grief. Um, and then that turned into a a newsletter fan writing campaign that um, like questions I would see in uh, a Jordan Peterson kind of. Uh, I think it was probably from his Patreon, but it was ripped onto YouTube because like anything that he did on camera would find its way there. Similar questions would appear in this Nick Cave uh, letter. And yeah. it, it was as much of a, I need somebody who is successful or who has some sense of erudite writing or, or speech to notice me, to mm-hmm. notice my grief, my suffering, and provide some form of answer or just acknowledge that I exist. Um, and is, is that something that, like in your opinion, and I'm gonna put it to Gene as well, cause Gene, you've been politely silent this whole time while I've- So been... far. Yeah. I'll, I'll become impolite soon, don't worry. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> loudness. Just <laughs> scream in the mic. Yeah. Um, like what, what is the appeal? I think you may have touched on this a little bit already. What's the appeal of somebody like that who has like a sort of fatherly, um, whether it's uh, that abstract removal of, of Harris's meditation, that sort of gentle but uh, poetic expression of grief in Nick Cape, or um, crying at Disney films and wanting to fuck your grandma um, and never shit again. That is an interesting thing, like that you just kind of touched on with that last joke, because in, in a weird way, Peterson doesn't fit, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, like I totally understand. Uh, I, I mean, I absolutely understand the appeal of Sam Harris. Like, like if he, uh, I mean, look, if if I if I had like really shitty politics, I would probably like Sam Harris, because mm-hmm. uh, all of you know, and didn't know very much about philosophy but like you know like like all of um you know all of my objections to harris are like ideological right you know but like as like just a figure i i, I totally get it right you know because because he he's very he talks about interesting subjects and he's just 
he has a really good radio voice and he's just extremely calm. Like that's so much of his appeal that like he, he has this kind of detached, calm, like he's, he is, you know, what he's conveying to you is that he has, he's figured all this shit out, right? Like, like he, 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 he looked into it, you know, he has a, you know, he has a PhD in neuroscience and, and he's like meditated and, you know, had then arrived at spiritual insights and like, he's figured it out and, and he's, and he's generously willing to let you know. Uh, and, uh, and, and he's going to do it in a sort of very calm way and explain his reasoning and, you know, and, and all that stuff. And, and I, I kind of get the emotional appeal of that. Um, whereas, um, Jordan Peterson, like is kind of a weird hysteric like i i mean like he he's always um like there is something really weird about the fact that people who get hot and bothered about the decline of traditional masculinity are quite this into somebody with this like sort of kermit the frog voice who cries all the time like, <laughs> that, that that's not intuitive like that, that, would, you know, that would be what you would like have you did you track the change in like how much money he made based on like the kinds of suits he'd wear in uh in YouTube videos? Like wearing those boxy ass nineties brown suits and talking about the double helix. I can't do it. I'm gonna cut the fucking impression from the final edit. I had like a whole fake speech from him prepared that references Sonic or, you know adventure, but I decided to cut that for uh lack of self embarrassment. But uh yeah, yeah, he goes from that to like this beautifully cut blue suit uh you know like people ask him if he's watched rick and morty there's a sense of there's just something so bizarre well well, don't bury the lead here has he sorry oh uh (laughs) (laughs) i i i'm sure he's probably checked it out at some point but yeah i remember seeing that video and him admitting he was too afraid to watch it because it sounded very nihilistic and he would get wrapped up in it yeah man that's such a jordan peterson answer that's that's amazing um like because it's, you know, I mean, whatever. I'll, 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 I'll cop to enjoying Rick and Morty, but like, um, that was a great show. It's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's very, you know, yeah. Rick and Morty at its best is very funny. But like, in um, what makes that a perfect Jordan Peterson answer is that he's not going to be like, oh yeah, no, I, I've watched Rick and Morty. It's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. You know, like, like I, I, you know, or like just give like some normal person answer. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, no, like I thought it declined a little bit in the later seasons, but you know, like, like I still enjoy it. Like, like he's not going to say something like that. That would be like wildly off brand, but he's, uh, he's also not going to say like, no, that sounds like too juvenile for me or whatever. Right. Like, 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 like he's not just going to say that he has to give some answer. That's like, this is the most serious weighty thing that he's ever been asked, you know, whether he's watched Rick and Morty or not. I mean, he, he does spew a lot of just empty bullshit. He, he comes across as perfectly untrained in argumentation or anything outside of, you know, some psychology training, maybe. I mean, I, I know that he's, he's well-educated and whatnot, but it doesn't seem to matter much in a, you know, any sort of a discourse, uh, any sort of a formal uh, argument. Where I think Sam Harris does have a little bit of the charm and a little bit more training on that, where if you ignore what he's saying, sort of the content, but how he's saying it, I, I can see why people get swept up by that. Whereas like the Ben Shapiro's and, and Peterson's and 
uh, Milo, like they almost come off like just being provocateurs and having fun. And a lot of the shit that they say, like, you've got to be fucking just joking. You're trying to get a rise or get ratings. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, people that are trained in philosophy just don't like you have to see right through it immediately. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Milo for, for sure. I mean, like he, um, I mean, this is, I mean, this is hilarious to me because, um, like so many people who maybe hated Milo for good reasons, um, tried so hard to like, you know, shut him down. And that was, um, and that was like, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, you know, the end of, you know, of, uh, of Return of the Jedi, right? You know, it's, it's like your hatred only makes me grow stronger. <laughs> like, uh, like, in, uh, like his, his career was built off of, uh, off of attempts at, at lefty platform. He was the dangerous ideas doer. That was yeah. his stick, you know, that like, like I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm, my ideas are so subversive and edgy that, you know, people can't handle them. Um, but all of that stuff just played into his hands. But what did bring him down was when he um, his comments about age of consent came out, and then the right just dropped him like a hot potato. You know, they uh, uh, he was disinvited from uh, from CPAC, and uh, and he lost his book contract and all that. But um, you know, contrary to uh, to what F. Scott you know Fitzgerald said, uh, there are absolutely second acts in American lives. And, um, and he has been able to, to reinvent himself. But I mean, like this goes to your point. I mean, the, the way that he's reinvented himself is awesome. Uh, he, he's decided like, okay, I can't do what I used to, right? I mean, you know, he used to be, he was the sort of like edgy kind of hedonistic, uh, flamboyant gay conservative who'd like, you know, get up on stage and, you know, talk about, you know, how he loved black cock and stuff like that. Like that, that was yeah. old Milo 1.0. It's like, okay, I can't do that anymore. That's dried up. So let's survey the right wing landscape and find out where I can still, okay, I got it. Um, now he claims to have converted to Christianity. Uh, he, uh, he says that he's ex-gay. Uh, he, he's still living with his husband, but he says his husband is just a roommate. And, uh, and to, <laughs> and to your point, like, um, he, like there are literally clips where he says shit like, um, since I'm no longer gay, uh, dogs don't bark at me anymore. Amazing. So, just, <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> Like, whereas, like, yeah, like, like, like Sam Harris, like, yeah, I think he says a lot of things that don't make sense if you think about them hard, but like he, uh, but it all sounds superficially okay. He can make certain kinds of distinctions. I mean, I've never, I've never felt as sympathetic to Harris as I did listening to um, the, uh, when um, Jordan Peterson first went on, on Harris's podcast, which I think was waking up back then. It's gone through a couple names, but not too sure about that actually um Fuck, i can't remember it was something equally pretentious yeah yeah because it, it, it's constantly <laughs> waking up and making sense and there might be one or two other names but um he the first time P- peterson went on uh they end up getting into this giant argument about truth uh because peterson in his, his typical way has like strung together um like some whatever he you know, to Gene's point, whatever he half understands about evolutionary psychology with, 
you know, some stuff about philosophy and I don't know, something that came to him in a dream. And uh, he has, uh, and he has this view that like, what it just means for something to be true is that it serves like it, it helps this human species to survive. And, um, and Harris like, was like, well, hold on though, right? Like if there's like a chemical weapons lab or something gets loose and it wipes, every, wipes out humanity, that doesn't actually mean that the theory of chemistry they were working with was, was, was false, right? I mean, like, it, it's <laughs> like, a, this wouldn't be a problem if it weren't true. And, and they just kind of go back and forth and back and forth on that point for an hour. And like, man, I felt for Harris because like, he just, it, it just, he was like in that interview, um, you know, Harris, who I, I normally really dislike, you know, it's like, but he just seemed like this overworked kind of adjunct philosophy professor uh, having to deal with like the world's most confused undergraduate in office hours. And <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> um, root for a uh, root for Harris on this one. But yeah, I think, I think Peter said like his appeal is a different kind of appeal and maybe it's like a little bit harder culturally maybe for me to understand. But I mean, I, I, I think I kind of see what's going on. That's like he, like in this weird way, I think he's a secular, in a sense, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of like weird mysticism going on there, but like secular in the sense of like not being connected to organized religion and having an audience that's not primarily coming from a religious place. Right. Uh, you know, he's like a secular version of like, almost like a, I don't even know, like a tent revival preacher or something that like somebody who's going to be, you know, like speaking in tongues and rolling around on the floor and like, like, like that, that's, that's almost the affect, you know, that it's like that he's so intense, you know, like that, that I think in some weird way, uh, that's a big part of his appeal. And, and maybe it also goes to, I mean, maybe in a very different way, it's the same thing I was talking about with Harris that he has, um, that he comes off he manages to convey the sense that like he really knows like he's really figured out some like important truths and he's going to like come down from the mountain and uh and share it with everybody that you know that, that he's he is he's seen some stuff he's he's figured he's figured some stuff out but it's not like this sort of really calm like you know neuroscience prof come you know meditation teacher you know, thing that, uh, that Harris does. It's like, I don't know, like the Old Testament prophet version of that in some incredibly weird Western Canadian way. <laughs> the, uh, there's a thing I picked up on when you were talking about, um, about Mila. And I think you referenced this a little bit earlier with Jordan Peterson. And, you know, uh, Chapo talked about this ages ago with um, the psychology of, you know, like right-wing dudes who lean into uh, a Peterson, uh, a Milo, uh, uh, what's that guy who has mugs, uh, who's also Canadian, uh, used to voice on Arthur, uh, prove me wrong guy. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, wait, Stephen Crowder? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, like I, I do remember there being like a series of articles written by folks like of the Crowder ilk, of the Shapiro ilk, that were like all about never having sex as a virtue. And I'm gonna use this to awkwardly segue into uh, just a little bit about your your newer book. Sure, sure. But having those guys 
represent, you know, the caucus of the Never Gang Pussy Committee, um, <laughs> uh, including the the crying Canadian frogman and uh, uh, the ex-gay representing some sort of a collective psychosis between these folks who like are really drawn to them as this is man, this is men, smoke cigars and have a collapsed lung. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that literally happened to Crowder, right? Yeah, it just happened very recently. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the funniest like cell phones I think I've seen in a while. Um, but I was curious about that in, um, in the liberal, and I guess in some senses, the left response mm -hmm. as well to those guys. Um, and admittedly being caught up in that hysteria myself. Um, how do you, uh, like what, what kind of advice do you have for the folks who want to organize or engage in that kind of thought with somebody that they know or somebody that they've met who is uh, a member, a card carrying member of the, uh, of the MPGC? Yeah, right. Um, I am, man, I, it's a side note, but I, I, I really want to know how many cigars Crowder was smoking because like, like, like if you really think about that for a minute, right? I mean, like he's, I mean, he's a reasonably young guy. I mean, he can't be older than like, you know, what is mid forties? I mean, how, how old is Crowder? I, I thought he was somewhere, like somewhere in his early forties. Like he, he voiced, he was in Arthur like in the nineties, right? Like that cartoon. Yeah, that I couldn't tell you, but like he, he doesn't look like he's older than his early forties. And like, I don't know. I mean, like you think like, um, you know, like Fidel Castro, you know, the cigars eventually caught up with him, but he was an old guy. Like, you know, like, like, like was Crowder just like puffing them from like, you know, sun up to sundown? I don't know if you know this, but most Canadians are born with weak bodies. <laughs> uh, no, he was born 87. He's only a year older than me. Yeah. Wait, wait, so Stephen Crowder was born in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than him. <laughs> My lungs still work. Yeah, I'm significantly older than him. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have a younger brother who's born in 1987. Um, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I appreciate the side note. I like these a Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of amazed by that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, like really, um, like those have to either be some like very weak lungs or or he was like puffing away at like a rate like unknown to you know like yeah oh awesome okay uh, so <laughs> yeah I I mean I think that uh, as far as this goes right I mean I mentioned I mentioned against the web earlier and uh, Michael gets into this a little bit in that book. And, and I talk about this uh, a very little bit in the, the very last part of, of my new book, um, which, um, which, which I have a funny uh, story about, but I'll, I'll save that. Uh, so um, that I, I think, I think my biggest advice, like, okay, comes in two forms. I mean, one, like, calm down a little bit like that's the first part that i'm not saying don't engage with these guys i, I think it is worth engaging with them uh obviously uh like i have quite a bit uh because one you know tons of people listen to them as we talked about earlier uh and and so i i think i, I think there should be some kind of response out there you know in the hopes that at least a few of those people will run into it 
and you know and you plant some seeds of doubt uh and and two i mean oftentimes they're they're talking about interest in subjects and they're saying demented things about them but if like somebody who lots of people are listening to is talking about something that you want to talk about i mean that's a way of getting out your own your own views about it and i think there's some value to that but like i think there is a way that like some some people on the left and and some some liberals and you know whatever i think one of the big themes of the new book is that the distinction between those categories isn't always as sharp in practice as maybe we would like to think uh, that there's a lot of what's wrong with kind of the liberal end of the culture war that ends up kind of filtering into to the actual left, right? I mean, just, just because you're theoretically committed to, um, you know, expropriating the means of production doesn't mean that, like, you're, you're just sort of outside of, of larger trends in the, the political culture. Uh, so I think some people in that progressive, liberal, even leftist uh, sphere end up like i don't know like thinking about these guys all the time so that they're like seeing red and they're like mumbling about how you know they're all nazis and you know whatever and and that's probably not useful um like one some of it's just like inaccurate because uh people who are bad and have bad takes do come in degrees and 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 different flavors and and so um just sort of putting them all together into this big category, I think can be emotionally satisfying in the moment, but it's not really accurate. And it makes every, it makes everybody who's, who you might be trying to convince kind of roll their eyes and, you know, like, okay, okay, buddy. Sure. Right. You know, like, uh, cause, cause they can, I, I think most people can tell, right. Like, like, um, you know, Jordan Peterson, in my view, is a great A lunatic and, and he's wrong about everything. But like, also, I think like any normal person can tell the difference between Jordan Peterson and Richard Spencer and like pretending that you don't see a difference is a little, you know, silly. So that's one thing. And then the other related thing is that, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about Milo, um, the worst thing you could possibly do when with all of these guys is to give them fodder for their persecution narratives like 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 that's just like um i mean that really is like the you're i don't even know you're uh like the you know 50s 1950s science fiction story where you're like trying to use your radiation weapon on the monster and it turns out that it eats radiation you know like it's 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 that's that's uh strategically i mean that's like doing that because uh Again, this is the, I mean, the intellectual dark web, that's the metaphor, you know, is, is about how dangerous this is and how nobody can handle it. Uh, that That's emotionally such a big part of their appeal that they're these like brave, marginal, you know, truth tellers, you know, who are, who are just going to like cut through the orthodoxies and bullshit and tell it like it is. Um, and certainly like if... Um, like if Ben Shapiro comes to comes to your college campus and you circulate a petition, you know, to uh, to get the the, uh, the lecture canceled, then a it's probably not going to work, right? Like realistically, like it, it probably won't. Like um, unless you go to like some tiny weird hippie college or something, like probably, you know, the administration's just going to ignore it. Uh, and and b whether it works or not. Um, like, yeah, okay. So like the 50 people who are going to see him speak at, you know, at, at 
northern you know minnesota you know whatever you know university uh uh aren't gonna see him right but like i don't know like a million people are gonna like watch tucker carlson talk about how uh how the left tried to silence him uh and and that's ultimately gonna have a much a much greater impact i mean if if you really want to um like if you really want to embarrass these guys you should do the opposite of that right i mean like 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 think about um i mean you know we're, we're just talking about steve crowder like like think about how bad he looked he looks because like sam cedar is like trailing him around like trying to like get him to talk to him and, and he won't do it because uh because he knows better you know he knows that won't go well for him right you know that like he can you know he could do you know, cherry pick man in the street interviews with college kids and, you know, that'll go well for him, you know, but like, uh, but if, if he tries to, to talk to somebody like, like Cedar, who's, who's going to just sort of like calmly engage with him and try to show, you know, what's wrong with what he's saying, you know, then it'll look really bad. Uh, so his instinct is to avoid it, which makes him look even worse. Right. Like, uh, and, and that's, and that's ideally, I think what you should do. I mean, do, uh, um, like have uh like if if you like the best way i think to to combat these guys is by you know sending the signal that uh that you are only too eager you know to uh to to talk to them i mean like like all you know do do have yeah have sam or you know i don't know nathan robinson or you know whatever i mean i'll i'll uh uh, you know, if, if it's within a day's drive at, of Atlanta, I'll do it for free. You know, like, 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 like bring me down and I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll speak to your club and, and we'll do a little empty podium, you know, to, uh, you know, like, like the cup for Elijah at the Passover Seder to, uh, you know, to, to represent, uh, to, to, to represent Jordan Peterson, you know, who, who wasn't, you know, who wasn't willing to be here, you know, to, uh, to have this conversation for some strange reason. Uh, Clint Eastwood to Obama's chair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that was the best executed version of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, that was good, Reed. Ben, I, I know we're coming up on the time uh, we said let you go. For the thanks for you know de- being generous with your time and coming on to talk about this. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. And uh, where can folks get your book or books uh, rather? Sure. Uh, yeah, both the most recent one and also uh, and uh, and also the the one before and also uh, one that I only wrote a chapter of but is is most relevant to this conversation uh, is a book that came out last year called uh, Myth and Mayhem: A Leftist Critique of Jordan Peterson, uh, which is um, you know parts of it were written by uh, Matt McManus and uh, Conrad Hamilton and Marion Trejo and and then you know I wrote one chapter of it at the end uh, so all of those books uh, are available all of uh, the usual uh, book buying places um, the new one is canceling comedians while the world burns a critique of the contemporary left which uh, I should probably you know get out the full title at least once you know over the uh, course of this or my editor is going to get very mad at me for not you know <laughs> for not remembering very fair not remembering to do that but yeah all those books uh, you can find all the usual book places i mean amazon or barnes noble or whatever but if i if i could steer people to one particular place uh it would be red emma's which is a worker-owned bookstore in baltimore uh you can order books from online so that's red 
Great. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks, guys. I'm not bringing a whole lot to this today. Gene, what movie you watched recently? Nothing. <laughs> That's good. Give Nothing. your eyes a break. Give your mind a break. Unwinds. Too much information. Too much data. I, I watched a, a video of uh, honey badgers attacking animals for a few minutes. That was good. You deserve that. Yeah, thank you. I thought so, too. Was that just before this, or was it like your morning YouTube? No, it was just like half an hour ago. I watched Walkabout again. That was a good one. Also a lot of, lot of animal content. Yeah, you that one? Australian Outback, so half improvised in the sense that the director just pointed his camera at any critter that caught his attention. So that's why there's a like an exotic, esoteric even, like a really weird lizard every other shot. <laughs> Real close up, doing a face. It's wild how they managed to wrangle those guys. They're giving them their best performances. Well, let's watch. Let's watch an animal video together. Here, I'll share my computer <laughs> screen. Here's a, eh? Share the Zoom audio. Fuck off. It's okay. We're on screen sharing now, right? I don't know if audio is gonna work, but. So, do you guys hear anything? In general, or with the video? With the video. Uh, no. Okay. I'm afraid not. It's playing like Damn. pretty fun rockabilly music right now. Oh, I, I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. Like in my mind, I hear it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can picture it. Trying to see if I can put my headphones in my uh, my mic. It was a valiant effort, though. I appreciate the work that you went into, you know, put into uh, trying that out. But Sure, man. Yeah. It's, look at this little guy. He's in oh, Russia. Nice. I thought that was a ferret at first. No, it's a, it's a sable. It's a creature made oh, in Russia. That is a kind of weasel. Yeah, they, uh, what's he feeding him out of a grinder? <laughs> Only in Russia, man. Meanwhile, it's just, it's a very mischievous little guy. He, like, will take a tomato and just, like, hide it on top of the bookshelf. Right now, he's just yawning. Some good yawning content. See, it looked like he was screaming or, you know, singing. I, I kind of pictured, like, a Celine Dion karaoke moment with them, but. Uh, you know, if, if I had sound on this if i could actually share it with you this would be great i can read i can read oh oh it's translated it's oh. gonna be really impressive with it i say i could read the russian i deducted that his deduced that his name is buddy and it just says that in english right next to it so <laughs> nice fucking try the channel is called buddy positive so wow yeah so if people want to search body positive they would accidentally fall on buddy the sable content <laughs> oh i just got it yeah you just thought it was broken English. It's like no, no, no. And what's more, I thought it was it was exactly what like a like a Russian influencer would call himself, like an aspiring rapper. That's where that's where Buddy Positive is taking me. Oh, like but a, I guess it could be this channel. A rapper that makes this you feel good about channel. yourself. Yeah, from uh from Novosibirsk. You gotta you gotta have some positivity about that. Say that I got family out there. I don't know their names, but. <laughs> I heard about having family out there. In old country? In old country, yeah. Old Novosibirskstown. Old Siberia town. We're watching this show called The Spooky Adventures of or The Creepy Adventures of Sabrina. 
it's like a Netflix show. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's kind of like if the, all the writers were horny Mormons and trying to like describe sex through that lens. Like they're all like prepubescent teens, not prepubescent, they're, they're, they're teens. And they're supposed to be like sexually discovering themselves. But it's done in such like a bizarre, like religious way that's incredibly off-putting. Like what do they pay penance i mean like kind afterwards of, kind of yeah or is it just like a monologue for why making out in that barn was wrong you know i, I don't want to explain it too much Vic. i think you should watch one episode from every season okay is it like riverdale uh, i haven't actually watched riverdale so yeah i heard they cross over i think they reference it riverdale has an uncut gem scene well, we're just playing in the background or they no like a, like they recreate a scene from uncut gems because they're just they're just throwing shit at the wall if i could if i could you know if you asked me what genre is riverdale like if i knew i'd tell you because yeah they're just as likely to have like an uncut gems homage i guess because we're talking like veronica you know it's like the archies yeah, yeah. veronica's the howie character the adam sandler the oh Adam right, yeah, yeah. character. Yeah, you can just call him the Adam Sandler character. I don't, I don't remember any. It's been a while since I watched it. Actually, we were still seeing each other face to face. God damn, it's been too long since I watched it. No one around me ever wants to put themselves through that again. That's not true. So some people, some people, some people are on the level, you know. But I would gladly. I just need two and a half hours. But that movie was big for me. Movie taught you and some cool. things about myself. Gene, how did you feel about it? I couldn't even make it through. I fucking hated it. Oh shit! Controversial. I, mean, I, I don't like Adam Sandler to begin with, but but he's I so mean, good in this. Yeah, all of his movies are garbage, and that one was worse. Like it was just so shitty. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> Why are you lying? I don't know. I I wanted it to be good. What about the water? I don't want things to be shitty. Is that the football one? Yeah, it's the football one. Yeah, no, what about, it's no good. What about uh, Happy Madison? What about Billy uh, Gilmore? Is that the golf one? One of them is. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. The, the golf one, not so good. I think, no, I think no, not as good as the hockey one. It's uh, the same one, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you... he is. Yeah, yeah. He plays with a hockey stick or something. Yeah. Yeah, he takes a running drive when he golfs and it goes like a billion miles. None of us have ever seen the movies we were talking about. Damn. So you didn't like Uncut Gems. What do you think of Triumph of the Will? Oh. <laughs> Is this is this to uh, to imply that Gene is anti-Semitic? No, no, Gene's <laughs> open about that. <laughs> the real reason you have a problem with Sandler, hmm? <laughs> What'd you think of Good Time? Did you see that one? What's that one? That's the Safdie's Gene, are you catching it's any of this? Energy. <laughs> Much more I hope it records what that sounded like. I think, oh, okay. Now, Vic, you're back in. All right. That was wild. Your, oh, shit. Your voice, shit. Yeah, your voice was break, yeah. unstable. Your voice was breakdancing during that I sure time. hope it records every last, yeah, every last time stretch of our Wi-Fi giving up on us. Anyways, as I was saying, Good Time was the directors of Uncut Gems. Kind of a set in a similar world in New York. Same energy. And it stars Robert Pattinson going okay. ham. No, I so if, 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 that, if Adam but... Sandler is the problem, I think you'll enjoy this one. But that was an Oscar-worthy performance, so I, I can't even with you, man. Yeah, so was the Water Boy. I'm saying you gotta you gotta reconsider and watch the Water Boy. <laughs>
You need to reassess yeah, your priorities. I'll see if I can get a sample of that noise Adam Sandler makes when he tackles people in the water boy. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you got Gene. Just for you, I'm gonna get that sound. <laughs> I didn't think he was known for making annoying like noises and stuff. He's no he's known for making annoying songs. Like that's what he did on SNL. No, I know. I was, yeah. I was just being sarcastic. Captain Insano shows no mercy. Oh, that's his thing. Dude, you're Sorry. really good at it. <laughs> Yeah, every time you have me fooled, I just think you're being really sincere and you're like a, a real pal. <laughs> Vic, did you know Gene played, uh, has an original piece in the last episode? No, that's exciting. What's it called? Is it under the uh, DJ, uh, is it <laughs> Vic Gene? It's not, it's not a hip hop song, no. Yeah, that's what the world really, really wanted. No, it's a really pretty piece, but it's from like that um, the, the same YouTube like bash that you uh, you uploaded, right, Gene? Yeah, I, I think I just have one channel where I just throw anything on. All right. Well, I have access to the channel, so I'm gonna check it out there. Something with ghosts, right? I don't know. I, I think this one here might be Drobdrak. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember the titles. I just throw on because it asks you to put on a title. Yeah, it's a so I don't know. I guess I could just call them untitled and number them, but... G97. Yeah, it would make my life a lot easier. Yeah, so what did you use? Or did you all talk about us in the previous one? What did, uh, no, we didn't talk. What did you use to, I used, to make this? So I used uh, the song. The song we based off of was the House of Hope and Mercy. Um, that was the one that was tied to like the... Uh, uh, the this is sort of hook for, for Ben. I used uh, a version of Lioness that is more synthy and is a little more demo-y. And then your piano playing actually cuts over everything. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was a nice little effect. I actually used my, uh, so my, my brother's brother-in-law, uh, who's a friend. Um, he, he did a piece for, like he played and wrote like a, a loop thing for, uh, for my brother's wedding. And then I use it on what is ostensibly the darkest piece of music uh, from this collection. Um, and then after the song, I wrapped it up with Gene's piece because there's this sort of abrupt guitar playing. It's actually kind of neat to, at least from like a, a workshop kind of perspective, kind of neat to pair with a song that is filled with like immense self-loathing. And it was like a moment of relief, especially coming from uh, Gene's piece. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I sent it to you. I'm looking forward to clicking on that. <laughs> when I... <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, that was sounding good. What did you, Gene, use for your track? What did you right, that uh... one, Yeah, that one's basically just guitars. I don't even think there's a bass on it. I, it was originally recorded many years ago, and then I found all the stems for it, and I just kind of uh, removed most of them. And because it used to have a, a steady beat through it, and I removed. I think all of the drums and then just uh, just started fucking around with, you know, different delays and stretching and, and shortening and uh, lots of reverb. So it's, it's got a very sort of airy feel to it. And is it put together in the box or more like live? Uh, no, I mean, that, that it was recorded like, I don't know, eight tracks or something like that. So, I mean, it was, um, yeah, it, it was put together and then I just sort of took it back apart and and reinvented it i think vastly superior than the original it's stuff it's exciting i mean as long as somebody doesn't like it i'm happy you know 
that's basically the goal. To upset people? <laughs> Not even to upset them, just to, oh, I, I fucking don't like that. I mean, the same way I feel about Adam Sandler. If I could have somebody dislike me as much as I dislike Adam Sandler, then I've made it. Uh, there's got to be at least one person. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah, you know, that, I've been on the planet long enough. That's, you know, it's like a perfect kid's book. Eventually somebody's not going to like you. And that's your soulmate. <laughs> Perpetual War, a dating guide for kids. 